the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's Ed Martin filling in for the great Andrea Kay. She's on assignment, as we say in the business. She'll be back tomorrow. Do not worry. Great to be with you on the Andrea Kay Show. We have a lot to do, but let me remind you, follow Andrea Kay's show at, at Andrea Kay Show on Twitter, also on Facebook. Later on this hour, we'll take your calls, 888-344-1170. We'll talk in a few moments with Raheem Kassam, who is really surging forward as a voice. He started the website called The National Pulse. And he's been breaking stories, and he broke one in the last 24 hours on China and Biden and some things. We'll talk to him about that. And uh, then we'll also spend a few moments with an author, an author of a book, a really good book. I've talked about it on my own program, uh, The Pro-America Report, which is later on tonight. His name is John Cribb, and he wrote a book called Old Abe as we head towards the celebration of uh, Abraham Lincoln's birthday next week, uh, um, a Monday to be exact. Uh, we'll talk with John Cribb. And also, he's been, he's been, uh, I don't know how Abe Lincoln can be a controversial thing in a book about Abe Lincoln, but he's been kind of shadow banned, kind of shadow banned. So uh, we'll talk with John Cribb. But welcome, welcome. Ed Martin filling in for Andrew K. Great to be with you. Uh, I have a lot to get off of my chest. I did have to slide into a red dress and eat donuts like Andrea Kay always does or at least talks about so I'm packed into that and I'm stuffed and we'll have to cover some things but uh, but I got to tell you I live out in Northern Virginia, and I work in Washington, D.C. I'm the head of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Of course, I do my program here on The Answer San Diego later tonight, and, and I, I talk on the radio all day long across the country. People want to hear what's going on, and I talk about what I see in the swamp and what I uh, can tell you about what's happening out here in the swamp. I'm in the swamp, not of the swamp. I hope if I get, ever get of the swamp, uh, you know, DJ uh, Potato Skins, uh, my, I call him Noah in the real world. He'll, he'll straighten me out. But, but I have to tell you, I've never seen anything like what we're seeing in the last three weeks. It, it, it's, um, it's almost impossible for me to describe to you the speed with which the Biden administration is moving and the failure of the media to cover it. Uh, the fake news media is not covering it. They're just ignoring what's happening. It's, it's, it's really striking uh, if you know what to look for. And it's terrifying if you know what it means. And I think I'll save till the end a sort of roundup on the impeachment. Well, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you two minutes on the champeachment, the champeachment, champeachment number two. I used, I used a phrase 15 years ago 
when I watched the media handle some issues in Missouri, where I'm from. And I said, this is just kabuki theater, which means it's very orchestrated and formulaic. And it sort of just sounds cool to say it's kabuki theater. You know, some people, oh, what does that mean? It's a kind of theater where everything's scripted. Some of you may know kabuki theater. I don't really know uh, too well, but I know the term. And it was picked up by the press. And when you watch the Champeachman, what you need to know, what you must understand, is it is political theater of the first order, of the top order. This is this is the uh, this is the Academy Award winning. You know, this is the Tony Award winning. This is the top level, professional, gr- highest grade political theater. It's as far from the truth as Disney World, or as a as a science fiction movies, Star Wars. The the truth is not relevant when you're driving a narrative. And the narrative machine, I call it, the narrative machine is what I call it. The narrative machine is as powerful as as it's ever been in human history. The, the, The Nazis had nothing. Goebbels had nothing in terms of power of messaging. Because the narrative machine right now is made up of big tech... Big tech, all the big tech control of what you you, you see and, and what you know and what you do on, on social media and the internet. Big tech. They're partnered up with big media, which makes big money out of driving people to return after the pharmaceutical ads. Watch CNN for a minute. So here's a fun exercise. Put on your TV, put on Fox News, and whenever there's a pharmaceutical ad, put on MSNBC. And then just hit return for, you know, go back last last channel. Every time you see a pharmaceutical ad, just go back and forth. That's all they play. But, th- but that's because big media in the, in the narrative machine is a partner making money off of agitation. Agitate so they'll return. Agitate so they'll return. And now you take the narrative machine, you got big tech, as powerful as it's ever been, using neuroscience to change your change literally the structure of your mind. Neuroscience, dopamine, all that. They're, they're, not, they're not guessing at what works. They're using neuroscience. Big media, using science also, but especially using money and power. And finally, the last key was the left. And the left used to be only in power in municipalities like New York and L.A. and some states, you know, uh, uh, California, New York. But now the left has big government. They got all the power of the federal government behind them. So you take the narrative machine. It's big tech, big media and big government. And you know what they're doing? They are putting together a narrative. And right now, the narrative, it used to be the Russia hoax. It was, uh, you know, Donald Trump is a Nazi, you know, orange man bad. Now the narrative is. If you don't say the 2020 election was perfect, if you say there was questions there, you're on you're on American. No, no, you're not even just on American. You're actually you're you're seditious, and you're part of that thing that happened on January 6th. They call it an insurrection. It looked like a bit of a if you're from Missouri like I am, you go to the Jefferson County Fair, one of the out counties affairs. You see some funny dudes. I love them, but there's some dudes. It looked, the insurrection looked like a comedy show. There wasn't anybody actually trying to take anything over. There wasn't anybody with a plan. There wasn't anything. And now we're finding out that the deaths, the quote unquote murder has been downgraded to somebody died. No one will say. We can find the nitwit who stumbled into the Capitol and took Nancy Pelosi's nameplate. We can find that woman, but we can't find a cop killer. They say there was a cop killer. 
Come on. The narrative machine is cut. And why it's being done, I'll finish. I didn't, this wasn't even my, what I wanted to talk about. Again, it's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. You can follow me on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, and on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. But what the narrative machine is doing, it's not aimed at Trump. They don't have the votes. They don't care. They're not making a real argument. The narrative machine is, is aimed at the 74 million voters plus who voted for Trump, more like 100 million, really. And it's aimed at making you think maybe I don't want to say I was for Trump and I voted and maybe I'll just move on because I like my job. I don't really want to fight with my neighbors. I don't want to be associated with an insurrection. They've said over and over with big tech, big media and big government, it was an insurrection. They've used big government to prosecute people way beyond what's normal. They've used big media to make it look like it was a terrifying thing. If you see the other videos, you see people strolling through the Capitol like they were on a tour, staying between the, the velvet rope lines. And if you look at big tech, if you say the words, it wasn't a legit election, they shut you down. It's a scary time. The narrative machine's in full effect, and this impeachment is just a joke. And here's the bigger, here's what I really want to talk to you about. And this is what I meant to talk about. This whole first segment, I'm going to have to go. We're going to have Raheem Kassam in a minute, so I just got a few minutes. So I'll get to it. Today, the Biden administration admitted that they lied about having a plan, about being willing to actually buck up and stand up against the teachers' unions. And they admitted that their plan now is in the first 100 days, they had promised to get all our school kids back in school. And now they've admitted they can't do that. But in the first 100 days, they have a really good goal. 50% of the schools will go back one day a week in person. Here's what I got to tell you. It's now a national security threat. It's now a, 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 this is a, I mean, I'm not overstating this. This is a existential threat for our nation that our kids and therefore our, our, our nation is being shattered by these absolutely despicable morons. They're not morons. They're evil, evil people who won't get our kids back to school. There's no evidence, there's no need, there's nothing that makes this right except the greed of the teachers' unions and the desire for control and the fact that that jerk, Joe Biden, in the Oval Office will not stand up to the teachers' union because he said, I got a teachers' union member in my my bed. My wife, Dr. Jill Biden, is a teachers' union member. Our kids are being shattered. Our families are being torn apart. And we're, if you know this, look, anybody that has kids knows this. So things that happen to your kids, fundamental things along the way in their life, it, it, it marks them, it shapes them for a long time, really their whole life. So if you don't teach your, teach your kids to read early, they struggle to read, it takes them forever. In fact, their whole life is transformed by that. If you have kids that have a sort of incident or illness when they're young, it shapes their whole life. We, the, the kids are this beautiful clay that's waiting to be molded. And these, pardon me, bastards are sentencing our kids. They're stomping on them. They're pounding on them. And you can't get a kid to tell you what is happening in his soul in this pandemic time because they don't know. They just know, my gosh, this is rough. And today, with a straight face, without any, you know, nothing, the press secretary, Jen Psaki, says, well, I guess that's just the way it it goes. I mean, we're just going to not get that done. We're not going to do it. I I hope and pray that that the, the, the greatest movement in American history is coming and that is parents and grandparents and friends and neighbors that just that just revolt against these public school unions and just say we just can't have it and I throw them all out 
Vote him out? Replace him? Whatever it takes. Horrendous. All right, I'll stop that now. I got to get you down. I want to keep going. I'm come back and we'll talk. Raheem Kassam will tell us how the Chinese are coming to America. You don't even know it. Ed Martin filling in for the Andrea K Show. We'll be right back after this break. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. Andrea K telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay right here on the Andrea Kay Show. Our next guest is a friend of mine, Raheem Kassam, who has already, he's in, he's a young guy, but he's already had a storied career. He's, uh, he's been, a, he's been an advisor to Nigel Farage. He's uh, been all over the world and he currently has set up a, 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 a website, a, a news outlet called the National Pulse. And if you go to the National Pulse, you will see Stories that no one else is covering. I mean, no one, actually, not even conservatives. And so it's very important. And I noticed one of the stories that he covered, and I wanted to talk with him about it, is it was about uh, China. And uh, people aren't even noticing the steps that the uh, Biden administration is taking to get friendly with uh, with uh, the uh, Chinese uh, regime. So welcome, Raheem Kassam. How are you tonight? Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm very well. I hope you are, too. Good. Well, let's let me walk me through this story, Raheem. I know it was one of your reporters that covered it, but it has to do with an executive order that Trump signed. And I know I noticed Newsweek actually fact checked you and tried desperately to 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 spin it that the Biden administration wasn't caving to the communist regime completely. But walk us through the story and what it means. Well, uh, uh, you know, there are so many things that Joe Biden did in week one, right? We had these 42 executive actions. And what we, we started to go through and look at the impact that these had. And one of them, as you mentioned, had the impact of allowing Chinese communist propaganda back into U.S. schools. Now, under the Trump administration, you had seen a, a severe crackdown on the spread of Chinese communist propaganda. And this comes uh, directly through the, the, the Chinese state. Uh, they launder it then through uh, a network of groups which are called the Confucius Institutes. They operate all across right. uh, the United States. And actually, there are a lot of schools uh, that have voluntarily stopped the Confucius Institutes gathering um, on, their, on their campuses. But what the Trump administration did effectively is say, hey, uh, we're going to make everybody disclose if they're taking uh, uh, money or if these groups are operating on the the campuses. Because one of the things the Confucius Institutes do is to create kind of not really shadow, but kind of parallel curricula for students, things that they should be learning, things that they could be, you know, taking part in. And they, they of course, push radical communist propaganda. Uh, We've actually got video of it, and we've seen video of it in some some schools in, uh, I think, Utah. But what the Trump administration did is put this rule in place that stopped this from happening. And then, in week one, what the Biden regime does is quietly undoes, and it's not the only thing they undid, but quietly undoes this rule. Now, I, I understand that some people have, have, have a problem in the, in the corporate media dealing with the fact that Biden did this. 
and they're seeking to cover right. for him, like Newsweek, you mentioned. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this, whether it was a, a hard and fast rule that had got lost somewhere in the bureaucracy, or whether it was a rule that they had just outright rescinded, <laughs> the end is the same. And the end is that these Confucius Institutes get to go back and propagandize uh, in U.S. schools. Remember, this isn't even just in the general public. This is targeted at children. This is targeted, at, 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 in a lot of cases, young children. Get them while they're young, raising communists. Um, and, right. and that's just one of the things that the Biden regime has done in the last uh, couple of weeks since it's been in, in, in power to aid and abet the Chinese Communist Party, Ed. Hey, we're talking with Raheem Kassam, and uh, the National Pulse is uh, is the, who you want to uh, track. And uh, Raheem Kassam on Twitter at Raheem Kassam, uh, he he as the leader, the publisher, and the editor of that uh, site. He he his web his web, his Twitter feed will move it along. Raheem, um, two questions. One leads into the broader one. The first one is: Are we seeing? Um, how would you describe the lack of coverage of the number of decisions, policy decisions, not just like not 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 comments, not. Uh, Hunter Biden's, uh, you know, relationship, but the policy decisions about the communist regime. And and, and we're not hearing uh, much about it. And then the broader question is, at this point, I spoke at the beginning of the program about, I call it the narrative machine. Big tech, big, tech, big media and big government now are just pushing a narrative on us and we're, we're, we're being swamped over. And I know it's why the National Pulse exists, because you're trying to counter that. But how afraid are you as a communications, as a journalist professional at the scope of what we're up against? Well, there's two reasons for it. And, and honestly, as long as you arm yourself with, 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 with the facts and, you know, I'm, I'm here in Washington, D.C., I'm actually on the militarized Capitol Hill um, right now. And, and, you know, my attitude towards it is this. I often get asked, you know, what, what, doesn't, this, doesn't this worry you? Doesn't it concern you? Yeah, you know, of course it does. But when you're armed with the facts, you know what to expect. And, and here are the two things people need to understand. Number one, these big corporate media entities are openly, they brag about it, in league with the Chinese Communist Party. CNN literally runs a Marxist journalism school out of Tsinghua University in China. All of this is public information, people. I would say, don't Mm. believe me. Go and look it up for yourselves. And the second part of it is that one part they're in league, the second part of it is these reporters haven't done any reporting for the last four or five years. You know, a lot of them just came, in, came up in politics in and around Washington, D.C., right around the time that Trump got elected, and they've not done journalism. They don't know what it is to look through policy documents. They don't know what questions to ask in the briefings. They're just used to screaming, orange man bad, orange man bad, and, and claiming to be reporters. And now that there's actual reporting to do about policy, they don't know where to look. Right. Right. We're talking with Raheem Kassam. And uh, let me make sure to, to uh, get these. Uh, some There's a great piece on uh, the nationalpulse.com highlights how much the growth is. 16 million page views in January at the National Pulse. Again, the nationalpulse.com over on Twitter. Uh, follow at Raheem Kassam. OK, we're watching the impeachment, which to me is a grand narrative. It's really a, a, a lesson some day we'll study in the uh, in the power of the big tech, big media and big government to try to corrupt America. But again, um, how do you feel about, I mean, it's David versus Goliath, but man, alive, it's, uh, Goliath looks uh, bigger and bigger uh, every day. Yeah, it's, it's actually a sight to behold. I mean, everything about it is, is theatrical. Uh, you know, from the, from the 
marching of the documents across the Capitol <laughs> building and, you know, all of the right. videos that are being played, this grand narrative that's being weaved together in front of our eyes. It's very impressive. I don't think any of it's true, but it's very impressive, right. a performance from the Democrats. And that's the problem with, with the political right, is they don't understand, like the political left understands, just how much of politics is theater to people. And so they are very able to to whip people up into a a frenzy. I mean, look at what they did with the Russia thing. People were convinced that the president was in league with Vladimir Putin until suddenly, a couple of years later, the story whistles away and everybody's kind of left going, what the heck just happened? Well, you've got gaslighting is what happened. And the same thing is happening with this impeachment thing. The timelines don't work. The narrative doesn't work that he radicalized people, but yet they were planning it back in November, but it's still his fault. You know, Trump's got to have a million DeLoreans lying around. He's got to be time traveling all over the place (laughs) and Democrats' case to work. And it just doesn't work. But I suspect the Democrats come out on top of this in terms of polling and public polling. Because, look, I know you have a conservative audience and people are probably listening to me going, no, no, they're going to come out looking really bad. They would come out looking bad if Trump's lawyers went in there and played smash mouth with them. But Trump's lawyers have shown that they are not willing to do that. They want to tackle this on the the legal nitty-gritty instead of going back and and pointing the finger back at the Congress and saying, actually, this is on you. And while you continue to lie to the American public, the American public will continue to fall out with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Raheem Kassam, I got to run, but I just got to finish on your point. When you look back at the history of this Trump era, you look at moments where, you know, uh, for the reasons that are still inexplicable, Jeff Sessions didn't fight back. You know, DOJ didn't fight back. In this case, in the last 75 days, the president really didn't have an organized effort to fight back. Real, real, as somebody would say, you know, killers. The president used to like to say people that knew how to do it. And the same thing here. They're they're fighting over the facts and the truth and the argument when the other side is, is, uh, as you say is is doing the theater and winning the hearts and minds all right Raheem Kassam again at Raheem Kassam on Twitter follow him to follow his stories but the nationalpost.com is the site yes and your podcast thank you thank you all right thanks Raheem appreciate it we'll talk again soon Raheem Kassam everybody we'll take another break and be right back it's Ed Martin here filling in on the Andrea K show be right back Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back, Ed Martin. Reminder, you can follow me at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, and uh, also, of course, visit ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for my daily email. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you'll see a few times in the last month or two, I interviewed a gentleman named John Cribb. He's a best-selling author. He's uh, co-authored books with uh, Bill Bennett back in the day. Uh, the uh, I think one of them was the American Patriots Almanac, maybe the Book of Virtue also. Uh, he's a writer, and he's done a lot of different things, but he's written a book uh, last year, uh, September last year came out, published by uh, Republic Book Publishers, a great publishing house. Uh, my old friend Al Regnery runs it, and it's extraordinary, and he's, they're publishing great books. But this book is called Old Abe, and it's a historical novel, and it's fantastic. It's, 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 it's a great book. It's just entertaining, because you know who Abe Lincoln is, but it's written as a novel, and so it moves along, and it's all, it's just wonderful, and I can't, can't encourage people enough uh, to get this book, and to to read.
read it, especially you're talking about Abe Lincoln's birthday. So, John Cribb, as I welcome you back, that's my first question. In Abe Lincoln's life, did he have a sense? I know it was abruptly ended, of course, but did he have a sense that he had already become a historic figure? You know, we mark his birthday. He's one of the universally respected uh, presidents. A lot of his foibles from that time are forgotten, if not almost celebrated. Did he, in his life was it clear that he was a historic figure, or was it like a lot of things? Uh, you know, just life. That's yeah. That's a great question. That's the first time anybody's asked me that question. And uh, and thanks for having me on, uh, Ed. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, John. Was exchanging uh, emails with Al Ragnar earlier today. So uh, he's a a, a great guy, great fellow. Yeah, he is. Um, Yep. Yeah, you know, I, um, I think the answer to that is probably no. He did not during his life, uh, you know, have a sense that he was going to be the historic figure. That he is today, um, and we forget. Of course, we most of us anyway regard him as a as a hero. Most Americans, not all of us, but most of us. But right. you know, during his time, Lincoln, in many ways, through much of the war, was savaged uh, by you know what we call the mainstream press today. And I'm talking about the northern press, not I mean the right. southern press. Of course, he was, but I mean he was called a, a clown and a root from the prairies. He was in over his head. He was called a, a tyrant and a, and a, and a demon. Um, largely just simply because the war did not go well for, uh, you know, for, for the first for several for few years. Um, I, I think, I mean, by the end of the war, I felt, I think he, he felt more comfortable uh, with the idea that he had done a good job. And I think for the right. first time towards the very end, he began to feel like he really was, you know, kind of that, that father Abraham figure that some, some people in, in the country viewed him as. But uh, it really wasn't until after he was gone that he was, uh, you know, began to be revered as the uh, as the great president that we think of him as now. We were talking with uh, John Cribb, and he's the author of the book Old Abe. Old, Old Abe is uh, published by Republic Book Publishers. If you go to republicbookpublishers.com, you'll see the story there. Al Regner, you mentioned, is uh, the president and the publisher, longtime uh, publisher, a huge history, and paired up with a gentleman named Eric Camp- Campen, Camp- excuse me, Campman, and they do a great job. Yeah. Lots of really cool books. Uh, Old Abe now, John, when I read this book, I was so intrigued and interested in all the details. We've talked in the past, uh, you know, Abe Lincoln, when he came to, <laughs> I've said, this the last time I interviewed you that they came to his inauguration he snuck into town because there was threats of uh, violence and so they said to him yeah we in order to be safe uh, we're not going to take Amtrak down from Delaware oh wait that was Biden we're going to have to bring you in another way Uh, but what as I as I read the book all these little details about this period about his relationships um, I was surprised you're the guy that wrote this and had to immerse yourself in all this what surprised you the most about Abe Lincoln what was the characteristic the experience that you said wow I, I didn't know that was there I didn't I, we, we get a lot of coverage of his melancholy people talk about all this mm-hmm. and I, I don't yeah. I don't know how what you picked up about his personality what what surprised you the most probably his the depth of his faith and uh, huh. I, you know the more I got into it the more I realized just that that he really was during his presidential years a man of deep deep faith and it, it grew deeper as the war went on, which I guess is not surprising because it was just such a, an awful, horrible experience. Um, but he did become a, a man of great faith. You know, he knew the Bible probably as, I mean, maybe better than any president for a sense. He quoted it all the time. You know, his 
For example, his, his famous phrase, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's straight from the Bible. You know, Matthew twelve twenty five says every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself, itself will stand. Um, but uh, he, although he was never completely comfortable to organize religion, he attended church. I was just going to say, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was he, he was not, I don't think, yeah, his upbringing wasn't, and I recall his time in Springfield, uh, he wasn't a big church goer, it wasn't that way, he wasn't there for well, that part of it. You mean his, well, or he, was he? He went, yeah, he, no, he went to church, he liked attending church, both in Springfield and, and Washington. Um, in, uh, in, in Washington, the Lincolns went to the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church, and I think they, they rented a pew. I think it was $50 a year. You know, that's what the people did back then. They rented pews. And, and, wow. and he went on Sundays what he could, and sometimes he went on uh, Wednesdays. The, the, the uh, rector there was a guy named Phileas Gurley, and he, he liked him and became good friends with him. But he never formally, he never, he never joined a church, and he was never baptized. So it's, it's, so there's that. Wow. But he was, he was, uh, as I say, very uh, a man of deep faith as the war went on. He, he told his friend Noah Brooks that he said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction I had nowhere else to go. And he spent a lot of time when he was president with the Bible asking questions like, you know, what does this terrible war mean and why has God brought it about and, and what is God's will? That's the question he asked again and again is what is God's will? And he came to think of himself, as he put it, as a humble instrument in the hands of the Almighty. So that, that I think, is what really surprised me the most, the more I got into it, is uh, what a what huh. deep faith he was. We're talking with John Cribb, the best-selling author of the book. It's called Old Abe. It's a historical novel. It's extraordinary about Abe Lincoln. Uh, Republic Book Publishers uh, published it. If you go to republicbookpublishers.com, you'll find out all their books and also that one. Also, Old Abe is sold everywhere. I saw it on Amazon and all those places. Um, so uh, let me ask you a, f- a little bit of a funny, not funny, but this is something that struck me. I'm a father, and I don't know, John, I, I've never asked you if you have a family, but uh, uh, as a as that a is, father, yeah. what... Yeah, when I watched, and this is going to be a little bit odd, but uh, watch me here. When I watched Jeremy Raskin, the congressman from uh, Maryland, and the, and I hate the impeachment. I think it's a sham, and I think it's a drama, so I'm yeah. not predisposed yeah. to think positively. But when I saw Jeremy Raskin talk about his son, and the way he talked about it, I felt so, I thought it was pathetic, and I thought it was, it, I would say it was despicable, but I was more thought it was pathetic. I was sad for him, because if you have children, if you lost a child, both experiences I have, um, you... It, it's just beyond belief. And uh, I mean, it's beyond, truly beyond, it's just, it's in, impossible to describe. And, and Lincoln lived that. I mean, almost like, how did, how can you survive? And tell me, correct me, the, the stories. He, did he lose two of his children and one of them uh, right before, yeah. uh, walk, me, walk, walk me through that loss because how did he handle that in the public? It would have been a known thing. It would have been a big thing, but I, I wonder how he processed it and how it, it was part of his life. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. He lost two children uh, while he was alive. Uh, one, his son, Eddie, who was just about four years old, uh, died in 1850. Um, and then uh, of, of what we would call today tuberculosis. They call it consumption back then. And then he mm-hmm. lost, uh, they lost a son, uh, Willie, in the White House in uh, February of 1862 to uh, uh, probably typhoid fever. It was devastating to both, you know, to both Lincoln and, and Mary Todd Lincoln. Um, I think he dealt with it uh, in three ways. Uh, number one, laughter. You know, he deliberately sought out a chance to laugh. Uh, Lincoln was a great joke teller and storyteller. Teller. Uh, people said he was so funny 
what he wanted to be that he could make a cat laugh, people said. And he loved reading wow. out joke books. And sometimes he would start a cabinet meeting by reading, you know, something funny that uh, that he had uh, had read. So laughter at one, okay. he literally sold out. Number number two, work. You know, he, that he concentrated on work, and that was a great uh, distraction. I mean, he had to prosecute that that war. So uh, mm-hmm. work helped him. Uh, but then third, faith. You know, again, faith. He turned to the Bible for comfort, and uh, that gave him great strength, I think. I think his faith gave him not only the uh, the wisdom to be a great leader, but it also gave him to, the strength to make it through the, the loss of those uh, children and to make it through the war, I think. Yeah, it's a fascinating. It's, a, it's great. So, um, John, I've asked you this before when we talk. We're talking with John Cribb, and again, his book is called Old Abe, Republic Book Publishers, uh, com is where you can read all those books, but you can find all the books um, by the great that publisher, but also his, also Amazon. Again, Old Abe is the book. John, you have this knowledge now of Lincoln, and the Old Abe is only a period, uh, you know, from the time he wins the election uh, through his death. And uh, are you going to write about Abe Lincoln again? Or are you going to write about somebody else now that you've got this taste? Of, uh, of this uh, yeah. historical uh, fiction. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I would love to. You might have to talk to Al Regnery about this for me. <laughs> I would love All right. to do uh, a, uh, a book on kind of the prequel or the backstory uh, of, uh, you know, a book that would start him out as a uh, teenager on the Indiana frontier and take him up uh-huh. through, you know, the Lincoln-Douglas debate. I, in a lot of ways, that's the most fascinating story uh, part of his life, yeah. you know, just how he got from a log cabin to the White House. It's a, it's, you know, it's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful story. Just kind of the quintessential American story. So, I mean, I have, I actually have the, a draft of the manuscript. So, if you can, if you can, right. uh, you know, I'll work, put the, I'll work on Regner. I'll, I'll, I'll work on Al. We'll get that going. All right. Hey, John, uh, thank you. I know as the people celebrate uh, Lincoln's uh, birthday and all this stuff, it gives you an, another chance to talk about a subject that you uh, clearly love and know so well so congratulations on the book a book again is old abe and uh keep in touch john we appreciate it we appreciate the book very much and you spending time with us tonight thank you so much i appreciate it he's 212 years old on, on uh friday so yeah that's his birthday thank oh, you very there much you go. i appreciate it all right yeah. great all right john john crib everybody the book is old abe and uh we'll take a break we've got a lot more after the break it said martin be right back Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back, everybody. I'm not Andrea Kay. I'm Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. And you can hear me in a few hours here on The Answer San Diego, uh, the uh, pro-America report every night. And uh, Andrea Kay will be back tomorrow. Don't worry. She's doing fine. And uh, I got to tell you, I really I love those interviews. One of the great services of The Answer San Diego and uh, Salem Radio Network is that we get these great guests on that can contribute, that can give us the context and break things down. It's really super. Hey, I want to play this clip at the beginning of the program. I got a little amped up. Up, talking about the impeachment, how stupid it is, what a waste, what the narrative machine is doing. I want you to hear this clip because it, you should laugh until you cry, 
when you realize how ridiculous this sounds. Here's here's uh, Jen Psaki, the press uh, press um, um, secretary for Joe Biden, and here's what she says. That remember, Joe Biden ran for president. Now, look, politicians promising to do things and not doing them is not uncommon, right? This is not a. It's like saying hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not a distinguishing characteristic in politicians. That's they all do it. All both parties. But here's Biden ran and said specifically to America, your kids are being devastated. In my first hundred days, I'll get your kids back to school. You can trust me because I know the school teachers union, the biggest stumbling block, the biggest racist in America, the school unions, teachers unions, school teachers unions, the greatest, the, the really only the last bastion of systemic racism is the school teachers unions and what they're doing. So you said, oh, people said, oh, I trust Joe Biden. He's he knows these teachers unions. They've endorsed him. He'll be able to get them on the right track. And so 100 days, he said, I'll have our kids back to school. Here's Pisaki, and here's the new goal, the new normal for Joe Biden. Here it is. The goal is opening up schools swiftly and safely. Mm-hmm. Could you help us understand what the White House is or what the president's definition of open schools is? Does it mean teachers in classroom teaching students in classroom? Or does it just mean kids in classroom with a remote screen? Help us understand Sure. His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50 percent, open uh, by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more. And obviously it is as much as is safe in each school and local district. When you say some teaching, that's the, you didn't use the same majority qualifier there. You just have to have some teaching in school, some teachers in school, not the majority of teachers in school and the majority of classrooms. Well, teaching at least one day a week um, in the majority of schools by day 100. Okay, and that's in-person teaching? In-person teaching, yes. Thank you. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, go so, ahead. So think about that. Th- think about what you just heard. Think about what you just heard there. Think about that, the parsing of that out. And then as you hear, as you listen to it, I wish I'd set it up better. I apologize. Think about what that's the sentence. Think of it as like a judge sentencing thousands and thousands of children to uh, lives that are lesser because these idiots can't decide what the priorities are. They'll run around and produce multi-million dollar videos like the video produced today in the impeachment. I didn't watch it, but I saw, you know, the Hollywood production of these stupid impeachment uh, prosecutors. They'll run around. They'll take all the time of all the U.S. senators. They won't. They're not doing nothing to move the teachers union as far as I can see. And what instead you get is the goalpost move. They won't move the teachers unions, but they'll move the goalposts. And what we'll get is some teaching at least one day a week. There'll be a couple of people teaching in person. We'll call that open. And we're not shooting for the whole place. We're not shooting for all schools. Just 50 percent plus one. So we're just playing a game. With you and your families, that's what the White House is doing. You know, earlier today, Richard Trumpka, the head of, I think, the AFL-CIO or one of the big trade unions, basically rolled over and, and, uh, and said, well, I know the president eliminated those union jobs on the pipeline, the, uh, the uh, out in uh, Western America, Western, uh, the Keystone Pipeline down, coming down from Canada. And Richard Trumpka said, I know the president. I'm the head of a union. I know I'm supposed to fight for my unions. I know he just eliminated thousands of union jobs. And I sure wish he had shown that there would be other jobs that came in to help. So that union official was willing to roll over for Joe Biden and take it in the ear for Joe Biden. He just did it. 
because Joe Biden thinks that the climate plan that he and uh, uh, Senator Kerry or former Secretary Kerry, John Kerry, think is clever, is great and needed. They're going to do that. But he can't make the teachers unions, the Democrat controlled teachers unions and school boards get our kids back to school. Uh, honestly, this is as it's this is much this is worse. Well, it's not worse than some of the shutdown bullying because some of the shutdown bullying has destroyed livelihoods and, and lives. So I don't want to say it's worse, but I want to say it's um, it's fundamentally being uh, uh, misunderstood because while the shutdowns and the and the and the indiscriminate uh, uh, destruction of businesses is absolutely devastating, what we're doing to kids will affect us, you know, for decades, for for generations, and we are faced. With the media, again, the narrative machine, it's not telling us the truth. It's just telling us, oh, man, Joe Biden is not a bad guy. He doesn't tweet loud. He doesn't tweet loud. He's just he's just really going along. He's really just he's going to unity, unity. His allies in the Congress are are assault, are are, are um, theatrically assaulting the 74 million that voted for Trump. Our kids are being sentenced to lives of, of lesser quality. And we're just supposed to kind of say, well, he's, he's, he's for unity. He's really for unity. He's got really nice uh, sunglasses. He puts on his Ray-Bans. He's got sunglasses on. Unity. I got to tell you, the, the cost of not revolting against the school's problem is, is likely the worst national security crisis. In other words, if we don't fix it and get our kids back to school, we're, we're endangering our nation, national security. And by the way, you know who knows this? Moms know it. Grandmas know it. Even more than dads and grandpas. They know this problem. All right. Listen, thank you. It's Ed Martin. I've been filling in for Andrea Kay. She'll be back tomorrow night. Thanks for the chance to fill in. Thank you for listening here on AM 1170 San Diego, FM 96.1 North County. We appreciate very much all your support. Thank you to DJ Potato Skins, a.k.a. Noah, for uh, keeping things going. Thanks to the nice guests. Don't forget, follow Andrea Kay at Andrea Kay Show. Also on Facebook, Andrea Kay Show. And uh, she'll be back tomorrow night. Ed Martin, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then. Yeah.